Brandon, where's that signature smile? Well, actually, I was noticing that a red light just came on. Are the cops at your house? What, Ooh, he does look. I do see the red light. And I, I see it. Yeah. At my house? Yes. That wasn't a red light. That's, red light I, have the, I have the on. game on. <laughs> and then the commercial was, it was a red screen. It was like Gatorade. <laughs> Oh, it's State Farm. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> well, whatever. Welcome, everyone, to episode 97 of the Light Shed podcast. It is Thursday night, March 10th, 2022. And what were we listening is... to, Brandon? What was that? Rich. What is this? I have no idea what we're listening to. Rich for... Rich doesn't want to be introduced. Rich, Rich is forgetting the order of operations. A little bit jumpy. Walt and I should be jumpy tonight. Anyway, it is Richard S. Greenfield, Walter P. Pisick, and myself, Brandon Ross. Hi, gentlemen. Now you and can speak, and, Rich. And we're recording on Thursday night because Rich is, has travel plans tomorrow. Meanwhile, Brandon and I, Sixers fans, are sitting here. After seeing some initial booing, booing of, and highly deserved booing of Ben Simmons, now we're gonna have to watch the game in the background and do this podcast. Yeah, um, we you were hear some outbursts during the during the podcast. So we're listening to Krungbin now, but we were going to start with the Sixers theme song, the victory song. Clap your hands, everybody. You're just Philadelphia. too nervous. You're too nervous. But no, I mean, when you see KD knocking down shots like that. He always knocks down shots like that. I That's know. No. I know. That's not new. Embiid missing two free throws already. It's it's uh it's not a great start right now. Um anyway, Rich, where are you going on your vacation? Caribbean tomorrow, but you're back That's, in Montana, Brandon. I I am back you're, in Montana. You're, you're this is like a full circle to the to what happened it's, a year ago when you got engaged. Year, yes. Well, it's kind of, it's, it actually, I was at this house, I think exactly one year ago. It's one of Jesse's friends house. It's, it's kind of, Oh shit. Another three. Um, it's kind of like, uh, the Dutton ranch. It's actually located right where, um, Yellowstone is filmed. So I'm excited to be here for that reason. As you know, I'm a big Yellowstone fan, Love but Yellowstone. we're going to, we're going to show. But I do love Yellowstone, the park. Oh, the national parts park. Of parts of the world. Yep. Yeah. Well, right. that's where so we got Yellowstone engaged in the, the show. snowmobile. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are right. we going to stay that off was... of snowmobiles? Like, are we? Is that? Like, I don't the plan? know because I I really is there don't any snow? Skate. Is there any snow? There's there's snow. They got like seven two days ago, but it's pretty hard pack and icy underneath. I'm not really dying to ski in these conditions, so. I probably, I may or may not ski. I might have to like get on a snowmobile. We'll see. Um, anyway, let's get to the first uh, slide, Rich, shall we? Let's get to, let's get to the first. Is it a Ben Simmons slide? <laughs> um, well, I, I guess the good oh, news is well, well, for, for, <laughs> for, for baseball fans, it's not on the slide here, but for baseball fans, there will be baseball. Baseball season is going to start a few weeks late, but there will be baseball. But the news How do you of the feel week, about that, Walt? Um, I don't really care. I'm not even sure why this is our lead slide. And baseball <laughs> seems like a, an irrelevant sport at this um, point that has well, been made more relevant by their. Um, you cover their... Apple, and this is sort of the oh, right. crossroads between Apple and the media coverage. So, you know, start off with, should I just read the first sure. um, tweet here? And there'll be away. deals with Apple and NBC worth $115 million annually combined. And that was via Forbes. Um, $115 million, I believe, if you look at um, the rights that were sold here, they were the old ESPN um, weekday rights. Plus, there was another 50 games added for Apple, and it came in like $35 million than the AAV from the last deal. So your 21 to 22 is going to be a major step down um, on these rights. I don't know if that 
is telling of where we are in terms of baseball popularity. I see Walt uh, smiling about that. Or, no, no, no. I, I was smiling about something else, but I'll get to that after no. this. Oh, I'm smiling too about that too, Walter. So it's what good. You, what are you smiling? We'll get to it. Right? We'll get to it. We'll get to Sorry, it. Sorry, we have many distractions on this podcast, but but continue on with MLB, and then we'll go back to that. <laughs> if you guys don't give a shit about baseball, we can move on. Well, um, no, but it, well, look, we should care well, about baseball. It, honestly, it's, we it's should that, care. And 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 I just want to. We always talk about you know infinite content which is like Uday's thing, right? Like infinite content, infinite content, like the Arcade Fire song. Um, And so the bar is higher. So I think the real eventized um, games, which is really the playoffs and the championships, are worth a lot more. And the tonnage for the regular season um, is probably worth a lot less, especially in uh, a sport with difficulties, um, such as the MLB. Many self-inflicted. Yeah, but, but, but yes. the larger problem is we've seen multiple other tech companies try to do random national games. Now, I think there is some flex scheduling to this Apple deal so that they can actually make better matchups. But still, it's two games on a Friday there's night. There's still regular season baseball matchups. I, 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 right? I there's 162 yeah. games. <laughs> they play every day of the week. I don't understand. Like baseball is kind of a like the reason I didn't people liked it because the story unfolded for the team you watched over time that sort of localization of sports has you know gradually especially with younger generations become more about following personalities and great players and great teams Um, and baseball's never really developed the personalities look at Mike Trout Mike Trout no one knows who Mike Trout is he's the best player of our generation and probably already a a hall of fame player. So the, the, so the issue is this is a first step. I remember when Amazon did their first step and did simulcast rights, the Thursday night football. And, you know, it was like simulcasting, like big deal, but you know, this is like, for, for me, this is just sort of like, you know, if it was local games and people were passionate, but like, you're probably only getting your local team a couple of times. Yes. They're exclusive. Like they won't air anywhere else, but like, does this really matter? Like, is this like, for a company with with you know a multi trillion dollar market cap, cap more cash than you know what to do with, this just doesn't seem very exciting. Like if they did Sunday Ticket, which you know we've been talking about how we well, think they could be the buyer. Sunday Ticket isn't done yet. They may no, this know. may be the amuse bouche. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Before the appetizer, before the Sunday Ticket entree. I usually like the amuse bouche, but this is sort of a not <laughs> terribly that, appetizing you, you one. That, you stole that from me from earlier. Maybe this was a different text track group that I was into, but I was saying amuse bouche, a little snack. But look, there's no comparison relationship teaser to the <laughs> to the NFL. So if anyone thinks that you know dabbling with MLB for Apple is some lead into the NFL, I don't think they understand sports. Well, but, but and and and, and to be fair. Facebook's tried it and YouTube has tried it. Like we've seen this movie before. (laughs) Like people keep trying to do random MLB games, national games. And the big takeaway is nobody cares. Like there's just not a lot of interest. So look, I'm sure Apple's going to promote this. I'm sure they're going to make a big deal out of it. It's probably good for visibility of MLB that there's going to be somebody spending a lot more money or a lot of, sorry, a lot more money marketing, not so much money on the rights, but a lot more money marketing. It's probably not a bad thing for baseball. But I'd be pretty skeptical if there was meaningful viewership of two random games on a Friday night each week, which is sort of the problem. Can't believe we spent that much time on the MLB. Next. Yeah. Let's go to something else that I think, Brandon, you care a lot about, which is this topic of churn. Okay. Um, According to Antenna, Apple TV Plus had the highest churn rate out of all the major U.S. streaming services in 2021 at 10.4%. Peacock had the second highest industry churn rate at 8.4%, as the majority of its subs joined during big ticket events, such as the Olympics. Um, Apple TV Plus, we talk all the time, Rich. You've been very hot on how great their programming is. Um, how great the movies are on Apple TV Plus. Now, granted, there's even better coming, but they've had a bunch of series that qualify as good and have 
been buzzworthy, obviously, especially Ted Lasso. Why the highest churn rate? I think it's just simply because there's not enough content. Like they're, they're, the regular cadence is building. We keep talking about the movies are coming, more series are coming, but it's still, so it's still early and it's, there's still like a big build. Like the animation doesn't even start till this coming summer. So I think that's part of it. But then the other piece that I think, you know, Walt would obviously know a lot about, which is Apple gives this service away to a lot of people. So like when you give service away to, you know, everybody who buys a new Mac or new device, you end up with a lot of subscribers who may not be passionate users. And maybe that's on Apple for not getting them engaged in the service, or maybe there's just not enough stuff yet. But I think part of it is just you bringing on so many gross ads because of the way Apple's marketing. I mean, the other thing we had on the slide today is, I mean, I should bring up the other, the, the, the same slide. We have Apple TV Plus is added to Comcast Xfinity, pay TV, broadband, and smart TV. So this is the Comcast um, uh, X-Class TVs with a three-month free trial for all new subscribers. And so again, now Comcast subscribers are getting Apple TV Plus for a few months. So you just, you're ending with a lot of gross ads. So I'm not shocked that churn is high given lack of content and a lot of gross ads. I, I yeah, don't think it's I, all that concerning. I, no, I think one of the interesting things about Apple's strategy, though, is they went with no library whatsoever, no Correct. tonnage. So you're either at you're watching um, the new hit or you're not watching anything because there's <laughs> there's nothing to fall back on. They basically if you're in the Apple TV plus app in the Apple environment, they drive you to other content on other platforms. So the other Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, I third see attempt. all these messages going. Well, this is my right third now? attempt to interject here, but let's try it this time. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. <laughs> it's 100% um, the sporadic nature of the content, 100%. I mean, I just, for Disney, got, um, you know, we saw the OB commercial. This is, you know, a week or two after, you know, Disney's last kind of Star Wars content. So it's 100% the cadence. And the second thing, is you know Verizon again last week talked about conversion rates after promotions for typical are typically twenty percent. So to your point, when they give away the free three months, people are just rolling off, and they're not. You know, while they're trying to build a subscription business, um, they're not in the subscription. This is not their specialty. So companies like Verizon have the AI um, to go and figure out when is a person going to churn, how you're going to save them, keeping them in the mix. And that's just, you know, it's just showing that they're not good at that. And that's why they should rely perhaps more on distribution partners for some of their content. But look, I think the, the thing that's you love also this plus play thing so much that, I, I mean, that, I, that's, I, what I, you're, I'm, that's what you're driving at here. Part of it. I mean, I'm shocked that it's gotten so little play in the market. Um, but then secondly, like, look, Apple is early days. And I think what you're going to see is Apple TV plus being available on more than just um, Apple, right? right. And, and many, many different platforms. And you're just going to see it in more places. And that's part of the issue as well in terms of the usability. But there's no reason they have to rush on this, right? They got plenty of time no, and I don't think, of money. I don't think they have to rush. I think that if you care about having people in your environment, consistently, and Rich always talks about, oh, we need to, you know, we need to get people addicted addicted even though they're going on which is you know leading to some of the embracement of the crypto community um if you if you don't have people things for people to watch they're going to churn so but, i'm actually advocating sure. here for some tonnage for some library the, the sort of the other thing though is first of all brandon are you sitting in a sauna all right, this is this is no, what's just, been going I, I just, on in the background. No, 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 I'm just saying, I, like, if I you're sitting in a I sauna, that's why your mic might be going out. Your mic might be going out because you're in a sauna, so. You're saying but, my mic is going out? I just thought it maybe was the heat from the sauna because you're starting to sweat a little bit. So I just didn't know if no, that was sort of the <laughs> issue because you don't usually do I, a podcast in a sauna, so. No, but, but, I'm, in, I'm in a random bedroom in this house, sorry. Um, and no, everything no, no. looks log cabin-ish. But I want to come back to Comcast. Has my audio been that bad, though? No, no, not that bad. Not as like a few weeks ago, but but I want to come okay. back to this because this idea of Comcast. People did complain about it from a few yeah, weeks ago. Third parties, I, I know, I know. But he, but here's the you issue. You didn't with Comcast. order the mic. I told you to order the mic. I told Mark to order the mic. The travel. It's not the mic. It's, it's the, the connection. It's 
it's easy to okay dude i'm Whatever. in the middle of fucking nowhere all the time that's the but problem the, but the audio quality okay. is terrible could, could we just could listeners. we go back to comcast so i want to go back to comcast because i think what you guys are describing getting three months free of apple tv plus and walt's talking about seeing apple tv plus in more places and i completely agree and it's a great strategy but it also says okay why in the world is comcast in the nbc business like if you're basically giving people more reasons on comcast devices not to watch NBC, not to watch all their cable networks, heck, not even to watch Peacock. Like you're just making it easier and easier. And you're basically showing why being in the Comcast business and being in the NBC business do not fit together. They there is no synergy. Well, they're in the, they're in the they're in the broadband business, right? Yeah, but you want and to provide I, every service, not just yours. Like you want to provide everything that people want. And so the more services they bring on, the more competition to NBC well, and the more competition they, to Peacock. Okay, so you're saying it's catch twenty two, basically. Well, I'm just saying but you have to give what, the consumer Rich, what they want. I think you that I agree with you. You have to give them what they want. So what's wrong with their strategy exactly? Because I'm not fully picking up what you're putting down. I just think there is having the two combined when you have to provide everything. You can't just favor yours, right? You can't not offer Netflix. You can't not offer Amazon yeah. or YouTube. Okay. So, so they're it, doing it, what they should. And if yes. they're to the extent that they're reselling. But it's hurting you know, NBC as, every day, as, right? As, with, every day as, NBC as, gets worse. But you know what? They're already phasing more and more content. I, there's something, there was something this week, some content, I think it was MSNBC content, yep. like who cares, but it's, you know, it's news that's now going to be simulcast on Peacock also. Eventually everything is going to be simulcast on Peacock and eventually it'll be Peacock and that's it. Uh, and that's probably what'll help Peacock churn. Cause obviously Peacock churn is really high. Cause they got the same problem of they've got a few shows, but not a lot. Like you went back and binged. I think you went back and binged Yellowstone. You were, you watched the old episodes on yeah, Peacock. No, no, I think? I, yeah. I watched the old episodes on peacock and then, and then you, that you then you churned but yeah then i churned but, and, and that's why their churn is so they, high they don't well they don't have the high-end content that apple has on peacock no, I I, I, that's that's what i would argue um so like they're each they each need an additional component to what they have I just I fail to see the logic of why these two companies are together, honestly. But I guess we'll, well see. That's all we know. Why those two companies are together? Yeah, so they're two per two. It's two called words, empire building. <laughs> two words. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. There was a tweet that came across that I thought was one of my favorite tweets of 2022. So um, Michael Mulville, uh, who is at Fox Sports and is always tweeting out ratings and data around sports and TV had a funny take on the Disney news last week that Disney was going to put advertising into Disney plus he goes, I'm pretty excited for the future of TV to be ad supported shows that come out once a week. Why didn't ever, anyone ever think of that before now? Question mark and question mark. And it just sort of is the irony of going back to the future and basically jamming in ads. Uh, if you think about sort of the, the, when Netflix started out, it was dropping everything at once with no ads. And that was sort of the, what was different and what was new and we're sort of going full circle back to how these companies know and behave, which is subscription services chock full of ads. And um, yeah, the, the dual revenue street, we talked about it last week in depth. And that's that all of the companies that came out of dual revenue stream have gone back to dual revenue stream, the whole, you know, hammer and nail thing that we keep talking about every week. So why don't you just read the next one? Because I think yeah, it lays right into that. Yeah. On the contrary, this is from Joe Flint. Uh, Netflix CFO Spence Newman says, quote, never say never with regards to advertising on the platform. The streamer doesn't have, quote, religion against advertising, end quote, but it's, quote, not something in our plans right now. This is actually a little bit of a change in tune from Netflix because I, that's challenge. my belief. Challenge, challenge Rich. You and, you and I sat down with Spence and with Ted and obviously uh, in Los Angeles and asked them straight up about advertising. And they said, never, never, never. Um, the other Spencer, Spencer Wong, rolled his eyes of, about being asked that by us and investors again. How many times do I have to tell you guys we're not doing advertising? 
This is a, this is a bit of a I shift. think this is the exact same thing. I think this is saying we're never going to do it, but we would never actually rule it out because rule the world out. could change. I think the problem is, here's the problem. Advertising in concept is not a terrible idea. The problem is once you start, you get addicted and then you put more ads and then more ads because it hurts viewership. And so the only way to counteract worsening viewership is to put more ads. And so you get into this sort of death spiral of doing more and more ads. And that's the fundamental problem. And I just, I think Netflix's greatest advantage is not doing ads. I agree and with I th- that. And, well, and I think that no, advantage, their greatest is, gonna- advantage is scale. <laughs> Let's face it, right? Because they have an enormous content budget advantage over everybody else. That's their number one advantage. And in the United States, they've been able to get, I don't know, what, 70% broadband penetration um, without doing ads. So the question is, to get the rest, how do they get there? Do they have to do ads? Disney stood up and basically said, we need to do advertising to reach the TAM that we put out um, as guidance. Is Netflix, people are worried, has you know run into a little bit of a wall lately. Who knows you know, if it was pull forward or whatever it was, we're still kind of in the dark. Might they have to go do advertising, Rich? Or do you think that is just completely off the limits? And then I'll tell you what I think. I think it's just, we, we sold a lot of TVs during the pandemic, smart TVs. People signed up for all these streaming services. We were stuck at home. Now you've got supply chain issues on the other side of a surge in demand that benefited I think that's far more of the reason why we're seeing not just Netflix, but everybody sort of have a rough Q1 for streaming is I just, and not to mention stimulus ending. Like, I think there's lots of reasons. Yeah. This is not the end of streaming. There are going to be platforms with a billion subscribers worldwide. It's early days, even at 200 plus million subscribers for Netflix and a hundred plus million for Disney. There's a lot of growth. And I think that's why you're seeing you know, the smart companies, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, investing so, so heavily in content is they know how big the global crown is. There's going to be multiple winners, but this is far from over. And look, Netflix, Amazon's doing Thursday Night Football and Lord of the Rings in September. Like we're, and Apple's got a massive content slate to come, which is going to impact that churn number that we talked about earlier. It's early. It's just really early. And people are just being way too negative right now. And it'll just take some time. I believe I believe that Netflix should not do advertising as well. I think that it is one of the key distinctions between them um, and a lot of this competition. And competition does matter now, Rich. More than I think it has. that's part, yes, that is part of the reason why you're seeing this slowdown across the board. I agree. Uh, let's move on and keep this humming. We've got Christine McCarthy, the Disney CFO. She was speaking at an investor conference, basically saying one of the things she said was, we're not doing ads on Disney Plus out of desperation. We just want to basically expand the market and listen to our customers. I don't know. I'm, I'm still surprised which of their customers are really asking for advertising, but um, and, and the price is still... Re- Christine? <laughs> it's also it's also the price is really cheap at $7.99 for Disney Plus. I remember everyone getting so excited when it was $6.99, how incredibly inexpensive it was. And now they've got to lower the price to expand the market. But um, she also said, this This is from Business Asia, Christine McCarthy on Hot Star Success in India. Something that's very underappreciated is the amount of general entertainment in the Indian market. Let's listen to what she said, just the first few seconds of it. India is a, is a big market, we all know. Um, there's a lot of focus on the IPL. Disney plus Hot Star, yes, people are, enjoy the current IPL uh, sports program that we have on there, but they also enjoy a lot of other sports programming, whether it's other cricket rights, other international sports, marquee, other you know, sporting events. Um, but we, something that's very underappreciated is the amount of general entertainment in the quality of that entertainment. She's clearly prepping the market for losing IPL. I mean, that was the way I read that or listened to that was just be prepared if we lose it. Yes, we're, we're going to lose some subs. It won't be nearly as bad. People think they're going to lose like 40 plus million subscribers. She's basically saying it won't be that bad, but it really feels like she's prepping investors for this not being there in the not too distant future, which also makes me wonder, Brandon, is it tied into why they're doing advertising on Disney Plus is they know they're going to take a hit in Asia. And this is a way to sort of counterbalance that loss in Asia. 
Maybe I'm how overthinking th- it. How do you think the stock does if they don't do this deal? I was surprised the stock was down it's, on, it's, on it's the a, advertising. It's, it's, the it's stock's a, gotten it's hit pretty hard on it's advertising. A, it's a lot of savings, though, right? It, oh, my God. They're probably on con- saving. On content spend. It's probably a billion-dollar savings. They could put, which they could put elsewhere. Even in do you the think Indian the, do you think this Do you think the stock gets slammed if they lose it? Or do you think people are like, eh, you know, with, they're probably losing money. It's India anyway. Such a low ARPU market. It was not an economic, de- uh, good economic deal. So let's move on. And they're being prudent. Look, I have a bigger picture view of why are they doing sports at all? Whether it's ESPN or even IPL. They don't own it. They don't control it. It gets bid up every few years. Like to me, sports is just not the right way to build a streaming service. So I would love Disney to get rid of it and actually invest in content they own and control and could long-term drive subscribers that they would control and and actually have that IP that they could exploit globally versus rights that they have to fight for every X number of years. So I, I may the stock probably gets hurt on losing IPL. But I actually think it would be a huge positive. And I'd love to see Christine and the team basically just say no and focus on things that they actually could build, they own and put into the library. That would be, I think, a power move, even if it's misinterpreted initially. I agree with you, Rich. Wow. An agreement out of Brandon Ross. (laughs) Walter, you want to talk about one of the craziest? The Sixers are down 20. (laughs) Let's go to crazy... I feel like we should have those like cards where you sort of, you know, where you sort of show, what was it? What was the, it was the movie where he like goes through card after card of crazy things. You know what I'm talking about? No. I do not. So the, there's a tweet <laughs> here from Jeff Baumgartner that says, sorry, it's an NXX video. It's the NXS video. <laughs> Remember <laughs> when he's flipping the cards one after another? No. Oh, oh, Still oh, know what you're talking about. Rich. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> um no okay so what we have is a jeff Baumgartner from um uh, not the information light reading i guess you know he posted this story talking about how tom rutledge said that um spectrum mobile is profitable and i was like so i kind of dunked on that and i said profitable how do you define profitable so apparently he went back and scrambled back to the to the lackeys at charter to, and asked them so he came back with a tweet, which we have on our screen that says, when asked how they define that, meaning the word profitable, was told Spectrum Mobile is profitable on a pre-subscriber acquisition cost basis, which really kind of reminded me of WeWork days of like social EBITDA or whatever they called. But this was not the only thing because I did we did listen to this thing. But um, well, just to be clear, Walt, hold on, let's just stop there for a minute. To be fair, that's cost before expenses to get the customer. Well, I guess there's yes. some expenses. Including the, promo expense, I'm sure. The expenses right? that they pay, they're the expenses, I guess, that they pay um, Verizon that they are including. But they're also not including CapEx because right. I guess cable companies and Malone companies no longer care about free cash flow and return of cash on investment. It's just this, you know, whatever you want to call this profitable thing. But I don't know who the analyst is that covers it, but but Morgan Stanley, again, one of these major conferences where basically nothing happened. So this was only just entertaining. But the analyst just sat there and just was gobbling up everything Rutledge fed him with no follow-up question, which was embarrassing for that analyst, whoever that person was. But the other notable um, proclamations um, by Mr. Rutledge from Charter was that apparently coax is virtually equivalent to fiber to the home in terms of performance. Cause you know, the high splits, just high splits. Yeah. You should come to my house. Walt. I would love to have high you splits. over and I'd love to have you over to my house. Cause it would be fun to actually look at that. And I think I'm on a, you know, I'm still waiting for my high split in Manhattan. I wonder how long I'm going to I don't even know what high a high split. split is. Can someone define it? Do you think, do you think, um, Rutledge knows what a high split is? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what a high split is. Once no, again, I think he does. I think he does. This, does he though? So one time when we talked about this, we got some feedback from some of our charter listeners. Um, and our response was, we would love to host someone, anyone, charter, cable labs, Comcast, whoever, to tell us more about high splits and have a good ask me anything as opposed to just talking about it in Morgan Stanley conference with an analyst that never asked a follow-up question. There was one other thing, one other thing that was stated at this Morgan Stanley conference. Apparently, um, <laughs> charter is 
the predominant app on Roku. Yeah, the, the word predominant, usually, again, I may not be a wordsmith, but predominant <laughs> usually means the most used. I would think that would be the word predominant on a Roku device. like predominant, yeah. Yeah, the problem with that is we already know that Netflix is number one. Uh, YouTube is number YouTube two. YouTube is number two. Number three is either Disney? Hulu or, or Amazon Hulu? Prime. And oh, sometimes in a big week on. can be Disney Plus. Oh, it okay. can be in a big week, but but it's usually Hulu and Amazon Prime are like double digits of usage. And then Disney's like four or five percent, HBO Max four or five percent. So it's possible that there's Paramount Plus. It is not there. But Spectrum, because remember, it's a VMVPD. So you actually do watch your when you use it on a Roku, you do use it a lot. So it's a Certainly a top seven, eight app. And I would say it's by far the most used VMVPD on Roku because they were early to working with Roku. So that would be fair. But he didn't say the most, he didn't say the predominant VMVPD app. He said the predominant app. And there is absolutely no way that they're the predominant app. I mean, it's just an absurd thing to even say. But I still want to come back to this fiber equivalency thing. Like, you know, even if it is, like, let's just say they actually are equivalent. When is it going to happen? Because I get in Manhattan right now paying for the super high-speed charter plan. I get 300 down, and I still get 20 up. So the well, idea that I'm even equivalent is ridiculous. Rich, I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen because okay. um, Tom Rutledge, in fact, also did tell us when it's going to happen. Um, quote, we have the ability to get ourselves in front of any competitive situation quickly. So, it, so, the, so it's going to happen when there's competition. But apparently, if you don't see competition within the footprint, then you're not going to see it. Okay. So I'm going to just. Honestly, to- that's, I have to say something. That's an extremely rational approach. Absolutely. <laughs> so right? here's the thing, though, Brandon. I agree with you 100%. That's the way you run a business to squeeze as much return out of your invested capital. The question, though, is when the fiber guy launches in your market and he upgrades, and you can no longer feed on these crappy DSL customers that exist. Do you think that cable customer is going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stick with you now because you've been not investing in my network for the past 20 years that I've had well, you and suffered. And all of a sudden, fiber comes along and now you decide to invest. So I'm not going to churn because you happen to put in a better network three months prior to when fiber launched or if that, that can even be accomplished. Shouldn't there be visibility into the overbuild, though? So if someone else is overbuilding, you overbuild. Sure. Yeah. That, that's, but, but that's my point, though. But you overbuild what? If you're the cable guy with your NPS scores compared to what Verizon has. Right. You're, 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 right. you're going to say that the customer is going to be looking to switch. I mean, I know in my building in New York, um, pretty much everyone i did not i'm still a charter subscriber but as soon as fios came most of the bill i was something like 80 something percent of the building switched i don't think that's normal i don't think where anyone's going to argue that fiber is going to get 80 percent. but like if you're just waiting to the last minute or three months before to invest like like consumers aren't that stupid and especially because the fiber is not going to come in at some like premium price i mean what i experienced with altice in westchester was altice tried to jack me on my rate after the promo mm-hmm. and then verizon went to mix and match and altice called me for a save and was like okay you know you can keep your promo rate i'm like dude it's the same rate now with verizon you guys were screwing me around <laughs> plus you know i'm getting fiber like I'm getting fiber uh, to my home and better performance for the same uh, price. Yeah, look, the Altice fiber price in Connecticut is amazing, and the quality is incredible. I mean, it really is. It's it's just night and day versus being in Manhattan. You just can't. Well, so what is so what is Altice? you know what's not incredible, Rich? What their stock price? <laughs> right. So what? And, and the fiber is expensive. <laughs> fiber is expensive. Well, there you go. Right. So now we get back to is Tom Rutledge moving rationally? Or is Altice the canary in the coal mine? Right. Because Altice, who has this large overlap with Fios, so they've seen what fiber does. And Dexter will tell you they've seen what fiber overbuild has done in Europe. Great point. So, Great point. It, it, so, so, so this Rutledge, is the future. So the, this is so what you're Rutledge looking at. It's like, for, ignore what you've seen at Altice. Ignore what you've seen at Europe. In Europe. 
But in our case, you know, quote, we have the ability to get ourselves in front of any competitive situation quickly. So if they just invest ahead of it, it's, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, look, it's also hard when you walk by all of these. I mean, I know you've been talking a lot about it, but you walk by, I was in a mall the other day and it's like, you see all of these Verizon 5G home setups in yeah. the stores promoting it. Like everywhere you go. Rich. And, and that's not, look, it's They're not- getting attacked from two angles. From Correct. the telcos. Right. Yeah. So if I'm char- yeah. if I'm charter or Comcast, I've been feeding off of these crappy DSL customers, which now I'm gonna have to share from that with that feeding because wireless is gonna take a portion of yep. those. Maybe they'll take a little bit of your customers. And then at the high end, the, the DSL guys are now, you know, building upgrading to fiber. <laughs> and by the way, if, if that feeding frenzy it was the original charter thesis, I believe, when charter went and got much bigger when liberty got involved am i wrong just thinking back when liberty first bought stock and uh it was underpenetrated areas right high dsl areas if i remember correctly and it worked for a very long time it's i guess five years from now no bueno though next um Sticking with Roku because, or I guess sticking with the theme of sort of uh, absurd things said this week, we've got this from, is it Yanko? Am I saying Yanko right? Yanko or Janko? It's Yanko? Don't know. I always screw it I up. think it's Janko. Janko Rogers. Rodgers. Um, Roku CEO said today, this was at the same conference Walt was talking about. Roku CEO said today that Samsung, Vizio, and LG will all switch to licensed TVOS, either Roku, Android, or Fire TV over time. That's as both LG and Samsung I mean, are trying to license their own systems to third-party manufacturers as we speak. I mean, they're basically saying that Samsung is going to give up on TVOS. Vizio is going to give up. Now, look, if, if Roku bought Vizio, which was one of our predictions no for the year, that would happen. But outside of being acquired, I have no idea. LG is irrelevant in the scheme of things. But like the idea that Samsung is going to give up on their TVOS and fold into Roku, Android, or Fire TV, that is a pretty bold statement that I find very hard to believe. Like, it seems like Samsung's invested a lot of money in this and is a major high-end brand. Like, I just can't imagine it. And he says it right in that second sentence. They're trying to license their own systems to third-party manufacturers. I mean... By the way, the Samsung, Samsung OS sucked for forever. It's not that bad anymore. I don't, there's not a major discernible difference to me, to me, between using Roku and the current Samsung OS. Look, the first time I ever went, the first time I ever went to CES, no, no, no. The first time I ever went to CES was with Walt and you. And I still remember that first time we ever went. And I remember walking the show floor and being embarrassed as we went up to all these TVs, including Samsung. Like it was embarrassing how bad these TVs were. And you look at them now and like, dude, what year was that? 2010? It probably was 10 years ago. Yeah, easily. But my point is, or more than that even, but like the point is now they're all fine. It doesn't matter what TV. And you buy any of these TVs off the shelf. Yes, some are better. Some are worse. I love Google TV. I know other people love Roku. Other people love it. Like what doesn't matter? They're all effectively the same. It's not enough of a difference to warrant you're choosing on price and brand quality more than anything else now. I think that's what is sort of being missed. But I, I just would be surprised if these companies gave up because they're making more money off of advertising and services now. So I don't know why, I don't see what the incentive would be to give up unless the fees they're going to get from the third party are so much better than what they're getting themselves, but they've already built the infrastructure. So I, I would just be really surprised. Um, let's shift gears because um, we've got sort of, contextualizing uh, the Ukraine-Russia situation. This is Variety. Spotify sees a million and a half subscriber cancellations amid the Russia war. Um, I'll forget the second part, which isn't really relevant. Or basically, they basically just said that was a much, much bigger impact than the Rogan incident, which they basically said was largely irrelevant. But then we had Facebook came out tonight. Facebook actually said it was one and a half percent of revenue was from Russia. That's going to be at risk. Netflix has obviously said they're going to have some impact. It, It just seems like Overall, I think all of the media companies are sort of prepping investors for that there's going to be an impact from sort of exiting Russia and what's happening. I don't think any of it's terribly material, 
but just, I think yeah, everyone's getting prepped. For, yeah. I think everyone's just getting prepped. There's going to be a blip in Q2 that people weren't expecting. Yeah. It was interesting. I saw Disney's language about it came out that they were like pausing temporarily or something. All operations. Um, yeah. All movies. operations in, in Russia. Um, seems like everyone else is exiting the market. Is there a distinction in strategy there or am I over extrapolating? I mean, at the annual meeting, Disney got shelled because they got basically someone stood up and said, wait, you're exiting Russia because of the sort of human atrocities that are happening in the Ukraine, but you have no problem operating in China and you have no problem filming Mulan in China and thanking the CCP in the credits to Mulan. It, you know, and it's just, I think it sort of raises this issue of all of these companies, you know, especially Disney, these are such global companies and they need dollars from everywhere. They have a really hard time separating sort of business and, and human rights or those types of issues are, are a real challenge for these companies. Agree. Next. Well, next is sort of a topic that we've never talked Rich about. Rich was definitely just watching the game. I don't even have the game on. I could care less. I really could I care know. less. No, I was, was actually just... I was making an excuse for you. The, the next tweet is is sort of a topic that, you know, we talked about this topic on Live Nation and Walt was fairly aggressive saying it's just a huge miss that Live Nation is not doing more to take advantage of sort of the massive demand there is right now uh, and should be price discriminating um, in a greater way. So what happened last weekend for Batman Really, for the first time ever, um, theater chains across the country, including AMC, and I'll just read it. AMC theaters charge customers about one to two dollars more for the Batman tickets compared to other movies playing in theaters at the same time. Are price hikes here to stay? Box, analyst, box office analysts say yes. And it's it's interesting because the movie industry has never, ever wanted to do this because they've always been fearful that if you price things more expensively, you're basically telegraphing what's a good movie and what's a bad movie. And they don't make very many really good movies. And so is this a good idea? They're certainly taking advantage of massive demand for superhero movies like the Batman. And I'm sure they'll do it with Marvel movies. But it also gets you to question of like, is there going to be even more pushback on not so good movies? And do you have to actually reduce the price of those? And do you actually end up ahead? And that's the question I don't know. And do you get into, if you want to get into more dynamic pricing, do you get into weekend versus weekday, demand-driven pricing for certain times? I mean, there's there's a whole rabbit hole you can go down um, on that. So that remains to be seen. It's always been kind of flat price. But honestly, there's been what? you know, discounted Tuesdays, like, yeah, but it's different, right? Like Disney world can price discriminate, right? Because there's only certain weekends when kids are off from school and holidays. And so you always know that, you know, September is going to be empty. If all of a sudden the movies were, you know, $2 on Wednesday or Monday, like, you know, for any age, not like the senior Tuesdays that they sometimes do across the country (laughs) that, you know, our parents probably have taken advantage of. But when you think about sort of if you started making movies really cheap on a Tuesday night or a Monday night for everyone, I think you would move demand. And I think that would be the problem is like, I don't I don't I don't think there is as much. I, I think that would be a very dangerous move for the industry. I think it would be probably good for the theaters, though, because they're Walter? still selling popcorn. Sorry, Walt. Sorry, people are going to go to bat. People are going to Batman no matter what the what the price is, just like I thought it was crazy that Live Nation doesn't or the bands, I guess, don't price up their their thing. And frankly, if there was ever a time to screw the consumer, now would be that time because inflation is all around us. Everyone around you is is jacking you on on you know everything, whether there is justified or not. And I think in most cases it is justified. I, I mean, even our accountants are claiming that they don't have enough people or they where I don't know where all these people are going. But anyway, like now's the time, like if you're going to do it now, you're met, you're less likely to face some type of consumer backlash because everybody be like inflation, everything and everything's getting more expensive very quickly. So, right. And, and like, OK, yep. so you're like, what's the net impact? So you have the, the movie that everyone goes to. You're going to get three bucks more for two bucks, whatever. And then for the movie that no one goes to, you're going to price less. Like, obviously, that's going to be a net positive to the theaters. Right. Yeah. Um, and I have news be. for you, Walt. That's just math. Walt, your, yes. your gripe about Live Nation, you are yes. going to have the opportunity to 
address it with Michael Rapino. Live Nation does listen to our podcast, okay. and we are setting up a Light Shed Live with Michael. He's excited to come on, and you're going to get to debate him on the topic, which is we're, which we're is going to talk about great. wanting to spend more money. What if he disagrees <laughs> with me? I have money in my he pocket. May that agree I want with to you. Spend. Yeah, he may agree with me. It might not uh, even look, be a debate. I, no, I think he does agree with you. The question, yeah. I think the criticism at the time was they're not moving fast enough. Yeah. Um, this is 2022. So we'll Business cycles are quick. You got to move fast. Next. Walter. Oh, it's me. We're at the More end. Fun. We're already we're at the, the end. Near the end. We oh, are we're wow, that was quick. We're trying to be efficient tonight. We want to get you guys. We want to get you guys. We don't have to watch the. We don't have to watch the game anymore, though. The blowout. Yeah. Terrible. Um, This tweet for our podcast listeners was a humorous one. I thought this was our last one, but I thought we were going to delete this one and just go to that to the last one. But um, that's fine. This one is Trump White House senior advisor Stephen Miller. I'm sure many people know who that is. Sued the House January 6th committee to block a subpoena of his parents' T-Mobile family plan, which provides him with a number. So I just thought that was humorous <laughs> that Stephen Miller is still on his parents' family plan. How old Brandon, is Stephen Miller? How old is Stephen Miller? I mean, he is pretty young, right? How old, He's, How old is he? I don't know. I, he must be only like like 30, guess, early 30s. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea, but that's probably right. I mean... It's of still course, amazing. People, of course, people stay on the family plans. It's an it's fifteen dollars a line or twenty dollars a line. It makes sense. So I mean, it's like Brandon's entire family being on the Netflix plan. Uh, he, they are on my plan. Um, Joe just said Brandon is definitely still on his family's plan. Well, that's not I true. Say, I am not prob- right. Your parents were probably, parents your are probably on plan. my. Plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, does he not like understand how demographics else, yeah. work? Like what? what? <laughs> However, <laughs> like my mom's on my family plan. Yeah, it's exactly. just so my point is in this case, I'm defending Stephen Miller. Of course, he's going to be. This is how the wireless industry works. 80% of customers are on family plans until maybe Dish comes to the market with a very aggressive price, but we'll have to wait to see if that ever happens. Okay, let's get to our so release. I, the, my the wife, best slide of the week is on the family, but it, on her family plan. So it saves me like 40 bucks a month or something. I'm very the oops. best tweet of the week, by far the best tweet of the week, was from DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins. <laughs> And this was on March 8th. So this was a couple of days ago. He goes, if you sold DraftKings today, just be aware that my team and I are on a mission to make you regret that decision more than any other decision you've ever made in your life. At the time we screenshot this, it had 868 comments, 593 retweets, and over 2,000 comments. But the best was a response from Unusual Wells account saying, responding directly to Jason saying, but according to your own trading plan, Rule 10B5-1, filed with the SEC, you have sold 2.3 million DraftKings shares, $114 million worth, since May 2021, and have sold 1.8 million DraftKings shares, about $70 million, following the IPO. I don't even know what to say. for those who can't add. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty incredible. So he's dumping shares under his 10B5 plan. It, it reminds me a lot of the whole Fubo story where they're basically saying, hey, you got to buy our stock. Like it's so cheap. It's amazing. People don't get it. And, you know, I just, you know, it's just sort of insane to go after investors so publicly like that. Just execute, put up the numbers yeah. and execute. I, that's the part I don't really understand. Like it just, it seems so defensive and, and problematic. Trying to get his portnoy on or whatever. <laughs> I once had a CEO. It was the CEO of Nextel Partners that told me that shorting stocks is un-American. Forget about selling your stock. Shorting stocks is un-American. Well, right in my to, face. Hold on. To to be fair, that was sort of the pitch around the whole you know apes and GME. I mean. That was sort of what they were saying is that shorting stocks is wrong. And so we have to correct the market. Didn't Elon to- Musk basically say that or imply that at some point? Or I, mm-hmm. I could be misremembering. Well, Brandon, I just want to tell you one thing. I did bet on the Sixers, but this and this I think ties into this CEO. Um, the downside is I'm likely going to lose my bet. The upside is <laughs> that was the final $100 that I needed to bet in order to release the $3,000 promotion from Caesars. (laughs) 
I just did it all. Well, I may be losing $100. You're gaining $3,000. I will be gaining $3,300 specifically from Caesars. Wait, why $3,300? There was an extra $300 in there as well that's still in my bonus activity, but I'm just waiting for this game now to end. So my $3,000 or my $3,300 can be released. So just to be clear, can we we just tie this all together? Yeah, but can we just tie this all together? The the reason why DraftKings stock has gone from 73 to (laughs) 17, and it's been down since he made that comment, is because of the crazy promotions and the fact that nobody's making any money. So it's just sort of, it's just amazing that that's why the stock is getting killed. And he's talking about how they're working hard to make the stock go up. it's well, should, make I, everyone should, I sorry. Double, should I double down and put I, the Sixers are now plus eleven hundred on the money line or plus fifteen and a half? Uh, dude, they're Brandon, down twenty-four, about to be is, twenty-seven. <laughs> first of all, Brandon, this is terrible. This is terrible exit music. Like this is such a downer exit music. I know you, you love like, Yellowstone. You know, this was, and I know this you're was in Montana. A, you're in Montana. No, I know. This was a straight audible because <laughs> like we were gonna do the Sixers. Yeah, but now we should just play it for the for the no, because this is, no, this is not the I, please don't. No, that is the victory song. <laughs> that um, is the victory song. They are not and, winning this game. Okay, Brandon. I just want to say, yes, it's been a pleasure being with you tonight. I know you have to get to the song. I, I, I know. I'm in I the know. Sauna. <laughs> you're living in the sauna. You can turn the heat up as soon I as we're done. This is going to be a nice background. I usually use a virtual. It was like, oh, there's some wood. And Rich, but it didn't. you have to commend us because we both kept an uplifting uh, attitude despite the Sixers getting spanked by the Nets. Yeah, but aren't you glad that you didn't watch this nonstop and you actually were doing oh, the I podcast versus being depressed? I'm not, it's not going to depress me. Okay, well, that's episode 97, everyone. See you next week. I will be in warm weather when we record the podcast next week. Brandon, I think I'll still be in. You'll still be in Montana, Brandon? I, don't, I, I honestly, I, don't even I mean, know. I, I could stay here for a while because there's no one here, basically. Um, And there's a lot of rooms, so maybe I'll stay here. Maybe I'll be back in New York, we'll see. Well, have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Sounds like a Disney theme. Yellowstone. It's Yellowstone. Duh. Boomer show. I'm a boomer. (laughs) 